proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get comfortable when you're pregnant with twins. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we are answering your questions. We haven't done a Q&A episode in a long time, so we asked our loyal Blitzketeers to submit questions and you all came through with some great ones. In fact, this episode is a little extra long because of how many good questions you submitted. So now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. We have a little announcement before we get into the main episode. This will be my last episode for a few episodes. I'm taking a break because... A well-deserved break. <laughs> because when this episode releases, I will have given birth already. <laughs> We're recording before that. But yes, hopefully I will have two healthy baby boys that Woo-hoo! I'm taking care of. So I'll be a little busy. <laughs> just just slightly. <laughs> So yes, uh, I'm going to have some guest hosts joining me here on the podcast in the near future. We've already lined up some of that, but we don't want to say who they are just because uh, nothing has been recorded yet. And I'm not sure who is coming when exactly. Um, But uh, you will expect to hear some familiar voices that you all have maybe heard in content that we've already shouted out a whole bunch on this show or friends of the show. And I may be after going after some celebrity guest hosts as well, although that's less likely to happen. So, And that will have already happened by the time this episode releases. So I guess you all will have seen my failed attempt at that if it happened. <laughs> Since Ambi is very near the end of her pregnancy, we wanted to make this last recording as easy as possible. So we basically made you all do the work for us. And we are doing a Q&A episode, which we haven't done in a yeah. long time. Yeah, I didn't actually check when the last I, time we did one was. or I didn't if... either, but I can't remember. So that means, well, <laughs> although that's actually not always a good gauge, because sometimes I'll be like, we've never done that, right? And we'll have done it like two months ago. <laughs> so I do know it's been quite a while for a Q&A specific episode. Um, but yeah, we asked for your all's questions on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our board game Geek Guild. And you all came through in spades. So many good questions. I'm really excited to <laughs> dig into some of these. Yep. So heading over to Twitter, Ryan and Bethany had a question for you, Ambie. They wanted to know what kids' games you are most looking forward to teaching or playing with the babies. Uh, I assume they mean when the babies get a little bit older. But, you know, hey, you could be the first person to play games with newborns if you really try. Yeah, I don't have any newborn games, but the game that I first play with most toddlers is Go Away Monster. So I'm excited to play that with them when they're like maybe two or three, whenever they're ready. Um, Yeah, so that's like the near future. And then, I don't know, all the games after that. (laughs) That's what's crazy is by then, there could be these like amazing games for toddlers that we don't even know that exist yet. Mm -hmm. But I actually have a lot of games. Like I just got outfoxed, which is for a little bit older. (laughs) But I'm excited for that one too. And, and, oh, I have Robot Turtles, which I got when it was on Kickstarter, like, five years ago. <laughs> so I'm excited about that one, because that teaches programming. Yay! Cool. That, that way the, the baby boys can take after mom and dad a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Ryan and Bethany also wanted to know, if we had to design a game about rivers flooding and how a city handles it, what the main mechanic or mechanism of the game would be? 
And that's a really interesting question. We don't get a lot of game design questions. Yeah. My uh, gut reaction is a cup with dice in it that you would pour out and based on where the dice land, that would be how flooding is handled in oh, on the board. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I was thinking it had some like economic part to it because you have to build up the infrastructure of the city to build things to prevent flooding. But then it would probably be cooperative or some sort of cooperativeness to it because everyone's working together and cares about the city. I right. But, but yeah, I'm not sure. They mentioned that there was some flooding in Davenport, Iowa this mm-hmm. year, and that was what kind of inspired their question. And it actually got me thinking. I've actually considered designing a game based not on river flooding, but on river movement. So I grew up in Missouri, and there's a famous uh, steamboat called the Steamboat Arabia that sank in the Missouri River a long time ago. And then the Missouri River changed course because over time, that's what oh, bodies of water yeah. do. And the Steamboat Arabia actually ended up in the land, not in the river anymore because the river moved. And it was like underneath this farm in the middle of Missouri and they were able to excavate it. And all of the stuff that was in the boat was basically preserved because it was in the mud. So like you had jars of like canned food and a whole bunch of other things that were kind of like perfectly preserved. And now they're in a museum called the Steamboat Arabia Museum in Missouri. And I always thought like something about the river moving and you discovering treasures or something like that would be an interesting game. So that's what that reminded me of. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. For sure. If you're in Missouri, go check out the Steamboat Arabia Museum. I had to go to it like a million times when I was in elementary (laughs) school, but it is fascinating. (laughs) So Tanichi at Tabletop To Go asked what game or games brought you into the hobby? And we haven't talked about this one in a while. I'm sure we've discussed it in the past, but if you had to name like a couple of games that were kind of your first games when you got into the hobby, what would those be? Defining when I got into the hobby would be, is like weird because I've been playing games my whole life, but I'm gonna say it's like starting in college when I started playing games, not with just my family. So in college, I started playing Dominion a lot with my friends and also Teach You. And then after college, I was still playing Dominion a lot after I met Toby. And But like one of the first games that we got or that he got at the game store was Arkham Horror. So that is probably one of our big, like, I guess, gateway games. Okay. I don't remember if I told you this or not, but uh, someone in my game group brought Tichu recently and I actually learned it finally. Uh, I had been interested in learning Tichu mm. for a really long time, and I had watched uh, some people playing it at uh, BGG Con last fall, and I was like, oh, it's a trick-taking game. I'll just be able to watch and see how it works. And I was <laughs> watching, and I was like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Uh, it is not a game that you can just learn by watching. Yeah. But someone taught me, and wow, is it fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I consider my entry point into the hobby proper in 2007 when one of my co-workers in Kansas City invited me to his house for game night. And the games that kind of got me into the hobby that he owned were things like Betrayal at House on the Hill, Race for the Galaxy, Runebound, Ninja Burger, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Wait, did we just play Puerto Rico? I think we played San Juan back then too. I think that was out. That was already out in 2007. 
Yeah, there was a bunch of different games that he owned. I think he had Last Night on Earth. I think he had another zombie game too, but I can't remember which one. But yeah, we we would uh, we all worked the night shift, and so we would go over to his house on our night off, and we would get there around like nine or ten p.m. and then play until six or seven in the morning. So that was really fun. We'd go get breakfast after we got done playing board games, mm, which was wow. great. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Waffle House, my favorite. <laughs> And Tales of Cardboard asks, do you ever feel sometimes the joy of gaming gets lost in the cult of the new and the endless need of some board game media to be the first to review, dissect, rate, and rank? We love BG Blitz because it's fun and informative without getting lost in the mire of taking it all too seriously. Well, first off, thank you. We, we appreciate that you all like, and I mean, we do want to cover board games in a thoughtful way, but we don't, yeah, we don't ever want to be too serious. I think that's a pretty good description. Yeah. And we don't want to like constrain ourselves to the cult of the new either because that can get tiring. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I guess yes, the answer is yes, sometimes the joy of gaming does get lost in the cult of the new because you have the need to get all the new games, but we've been trying not to do that as much. I think we were talking about this recently. Yeah. And it's, well, it's weird because I really enjoy trying new games. Like Mm -hmm. that's something I I like a lot. And it was something I liked before we started the podcast. And I think if you are somebody who wants to be a content creator, having that enjoyment out of trying new games, learning new games almost is a prerequisite because inevitably you will have to do that a lot. Mm -hmm. But there are moments where like I've gone to game night and I've sat down and kind of just been like, I just want to open a game and start playing. And we've said that before yeah. too. Like I want everybody to already know it. I don't want to have to teach. I don't want to have to learn. I just want to sit mm-hmm. down and play. And that's often hard to do. I'm one of the people that's usually teaching games in my group. And most of the time there's at least one person who hasn't played whatever game we pick. So yeah. I end up teaching most weeks that I go to game night, but it's still fun. Andrew, Isuna Chimba on Twitter asks, what's your prediction for board game blitz or board games in general or 18xx games (laughs) specifically in the next five to 10 years? Well, that's a lot of stuff, Andrew. I don't (laughs) know. That's also a lot of years. We've been around for three and a half years, right? We have been around for three and a half years. Yeah, we'll hit four this coming spring. So basically, for board game blitz specifically... I don't see us going anywhere in the near future, (laughs) but obviously like Ambie's having kids and our jobs could change or our lives could change. So we don't have any plans for anything to change for us in the foreseeable future, but it's obviously hard to predict. Uh, Now, as far as board games in general are concerned, for me personally, I see a continued shift toward technological integration in games mm. like that new taburu system I, th- I i think that even if that system doesn't end up being a huge success i think that things like that will continue to come around app integration in games and things yeah. like that mostly and it's not even a matter of people needing that technological aspect of a game but it makes some games a lot more approachable uh, Mansions of Madness is a, the, the best example I can think of. The original edition of Mansions of Madness, almost nobody ever got to the table because it was really hard to set up, and the app makes Mansions of Madness a lot more approachable. And I want to see more of that in games. I also would like to see more diverse game designers. There are a lot of 
people designing games and a lot of the focus has been on the known designers that have been around for a while and I want to see new designers come to the forefront so we get a wider variety of games that feel look and feel different from what we're used to yeah I don't really have much to add to that on the board games things for 18xx games um I think they're getting there are more people playing them so there's getting more demand for them and there are more people trying to publish them and like make them more affordable so I don't know if this is a prediction. This is a hope <laughs> that they will become more affordable and more people will be able to purchase them and play them. All right, Ambie, Stargazer71 asks, if you had to pick a board game related name for your babies, <laughs> uh... what name would you pick? So you, you've already picked the names. And we know yeah. what the babies are. Yeah. And Roy still thinks one of them is named after him. <laughs> But are there any character names in board games that you've, like, especially been drawn to or, I mean... This is hard because, like, <laughs> there aren't that many characters in a, a lot of the board games that I play. Um, like right. the... What about the company names from 18 <laughs> Yeah, that, that would not be a name that I would name a, a kid. Like, the, the one character that I remember a lot and like is Sandra, but that's a female name and my babies are not female so Sandra is from Kanban she's the the boss manager yeah 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 but yeah I don't I don't know like otherwise it'd have to be some sort of component name like Meeple or or like (laughs) the name of a board game (laughs) oh yeah I actually I bet there are (laughs) okay well that's that's a good nickname (laughs) yeah oh yeah I bet there's uh good board games board game names that would make interesting baby names yeah but I can't think of any right now. <laughs> right. No, that's yeah. uh, a little bit hard to come up with off the top of your head. Like, obviously, Cartographers doesn't work as a baby name. Yeah. Little Cardi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the starter deck asked us, what game is out of print that you wish you owned? I'll throw this over to you first, Ambie. Um, so you actually mentioned this in the last episode of the episode before, but uh, you, you talked about the Haunted Mansion Oh, yeah. (laughs) After that, I was like, oh, I want that. (laughs) Kind of. It sounds cool. Um, Yeah, that's that's the one that came to my mind. I think for me, there was it's funny. Mine's kind of similar. There was a game called 13 Dead End Drive. Oh, I have that. Do you? I mean, my parents, they might still have it. I don't don't know. Well, whenever I come to visit you uh, again in the not super near future because infants, um... (laughs) It was funny. My husband was actually talking about going to the Bay Area to play magic with some of his friends in like, I think next month or whatever. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, normally I would be like, oh, I'll come with you and hang out with Ambie and Toby. But your guys are going to have infants in the house. And I was like, nope, not a good time to visit. (laughs) Surprise, Crystal's here. (laughs) Not a good time. But yeah, we used to Uh, play that game as kids. And so I think my parents still have it in their house somewhere. But yeah, so yeah. that wouldn't be here anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't think for me there's any modern games that are out of print. I guess I have talked about kind of wanting Runebound 2nd Edition, mm-hmm. even though I have Runebound 3rd Edition. But the thing is, I don't really... I love 3rd Edition. I don't need 2nd Edition. I just like the maps that came with 2nd Edition's expansions. I don't even know if the maps would work with 3rd Edition. I've never actually looked to see. But maybe, I guess if they did... 
then that's what I would want because Fantasy Flight still has not listened to my request for more maps for Runebound 3rd Edition. I'm going to keep saying it forever. <laughs> All right, and one of our most loyal Patreon supporters and good friends, Karen, uh, submitted a whole bunch of questions on Twitter, some of which are board game related, some of which are not, and all of which are awesome. So she, we're gonna, she said, she even put rubs hands at the beginning of her like post. She's like, here we go. So Ambi, how long have you been singing and how or why did you get started? So I sang when I was a kid. I have like cassette tapes of me singing Little Mermaid. So I guess I've been oh singing my gosh. all my I life. Have cassette, I have cassette tapes of me making my own radio show. And my friend Kristen <laughs> and I would sing songs from choir in our radio show. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like I sang just for fun when I was a kid um, for like, actual singing i was in church choir in late elementary school and some middle school but i didn't like it and then in college senior year i was in acapella group and then i joined acapella group at my work last year too and was there for like a year why did i get started singing i don't it's fun because <laughs> yeah, singing is I great like singing yeah very cool and then karen asks me is it ever quiet with three dogs in the house and surprisingly yes it is quiet most of the time uh, my three dogs are actually pretty chill in general and like to be lazy and lay around and nap so it's lots of quiet like punctuated by brief moments of panic and loudness because <laughs> like if they hear somebody at the door they get really really amped up very quickly or if somebody mm -hmm. comes over but then they chill out again so it's <laughs> it's quiet most of the time and only one of my dogs especially barky that's sterling you all have heard him before the two girls are actually pretty well behaved she also asked is a hot dog a sandwich this is like a hotly contested thing on the <laughs> yeah. internet i yeah. think a hot dog is a sandwich yeah, I've looked up definition of a sandwich, and, like, I think by the definition, it is one. <laughs> like, wait, I don't remember what the definition was, but... I mean, it's one of those things where, like, people are like, well, because the bread is connected, it's not two pieces oh, of bread yeah. and all of that jazz, but I believe a hot dog is a sandwich. Yeah. Would an open-faced sandwich be a sandwich if it's... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be, like... right? Yeah, well, if you took... If you took a sli single slice of bread and put meat on it and called it an open-faced sandwich, it's still a sandwich, right? Well, I don't know, because if the definition is two slices, then... Yeah, I don't know. I, okay, so, I'm bad at this. Right, well, so is, so is a Pop-Tart a sandwich? Uh... I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it is something else, though. We, we just... Oh, a Pop-Tart is a dumpling, though. Dumpling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks... <laughs> Which it seems more like a dumpling. Yeah, it's a dumpling. Uh, okay. Who is the one person that you've Twitter met that you'd most like to meet in real life that you haven't met yet? For me, I think it is probably Calvin Wong. Who, <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you kidding? That's awesome. <laughs> Calvin is awesome and does lots of cool stuff in board games and mm -hmm. is also a real life movie star from Crazy Rich yeah. Asians, which is just the coolest. I literally told everybody I knew when that movie came out. I was like, my friend's in it. My friend's in it. My friend's <laughs> in that movie. And like, we've never met in person, but I feel like yeah. I'm friends with him. And actually, here's a fun fact. He and I are talking about playing playing Gloomhaven together over the internet. He's oh, wow. going to set up 
the board in, in Malaysia where he lives. He lives in Malaysia, right? That's right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he's going to have me break out the characters from my box that I've never opened. And we're going to play over the internet together, possibly. We're going to, we haven't arranged that yet. Although maybe by the time this episode comes out, we'll have talked more about it. But I might start playing Gloomhaven finally. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, 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 he's also the person, because I've met a lot of the people that I know on Twitter, I think in real life, but he actually knew, I knew him from Reddit first, like back oh, yeah. four years ago or whatever, when Reddit was smaller. And he was like, I, I knew, I was like, oh, he, it's him. Because he posted a lot on Reddit. And, and then like, I became Twitter friends with him too. And so I think... The other one for me would be moderator Chris from Flip the Table. And a Mm. lot of people are actually surprised that I haven't met Chris. I consider him to be a very good friend at this point. And we've done a lot of stuff together. We've collaborated on projects. But just based on pure happenstance, we just haven't ended up at the same convention in the past Mm. few years. Although that is going to change because I, I should have said this probably at the top of the episode, I'm going to PAX Unplugged. (laughs) That's true, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to get to meet Chris. Yay. (laughs) And hopefully some other people that are East Coast based that I haven't gotten to meet before. But yeah, I'm so, so excited to finally meet Chris because Mm -hmm. uh, he's awesome. So uh, if you all are going to be at PAX Unplugged, I'm going to be there too. And I am hopefully going to be organizing, not organizing, helping organize or contributing to or something, uh, the second annual Blitzketeer breakfast that um, some of our Blitzketeers held at PAX last year. Uh, Obviously we weren't there for it, but I'm going to be this year and I want to do it. And so I might try and turn it into a real thing. So uh, if you are not supporting us on Patreon and therefore you are not part of our Slack channel, uh, you should get on that because that is where discussions about such things tend to take place. So head over to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz and for a dollar a month, uh, you can get access to our Slack channel and get in on all those exciting convos about breakfast stuff because breakfast is awesome. Uh, Karen also asks, What's the best board game pet mascot or pet slash mascot? <laughs> this is an easy one. It's Gizmo, right? It's got to be Gizmo. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is obviously Gizmo. Uh, Annette what? from Netter's Plays, uh, her bird, Gizmo, who has his own Twitter account and is adorable. I have met him in person. He is so cute. I loved Gizmo. <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, Karen had hint Colin in there, which made me just think of Colin, the board game bear. So, so Colin, while Colin is adorable, Colin is a stuffed animal. <laughs> yes. So I think Gizmo wins in this okay. category because Gizmo is a real life burb. <laughs> yes. But I do love Colin too. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is the earliest game you can remember playing, Ambi? This is hard. Because I played so many games when I was little. I don't remember what the first one was. Yeah, I I don't remember my first necessarily either. I know that I did own Candyland and I owned Mousetrap. Oh, and the, the, I think I talked about this recently, that pizza party game or whatever. Like, I know my friends had that one, and that one was really simple, like, matching. So I'm imagining we played that when we were pretty little. Oh, and Guess Who as well was something... So yeah, those are that. some of the early ones, but it's hard to know for sure. Yeah. And I know that my favorite was the Little Mermaid game, and I would always request that on our game nights. My poor brother. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. 
Okay, next question. Karen asks, it's Secret Santa time. What game do you get for Lin-Manuel Miranda and Patrick Stewart? Okay, I imagine this is at least <laughs> partially you, geared toward me. <laughs> it's Lin-Manuel Miranda and Patrick Stewart are both, like, yeah. celebrity loves of mine. Okay, so Lin-Manuel Miranda... I think the easy answer would be a party game of some kind or a creative game of some kind. But I think he would actually really like a game that had cool story in it. Like, he's a good storyteller. And so I'm actually going to say Legacy of Dragonhold is what I would get for Lin-Manuel Miranda. Because he could, he travels a lot and works a lot. He could take it with him and play by himself. Or he could play with his wife. Um, his kiddos aren't quite old enough to play games yet, I don't think. Or one of them actually is now. But yeah, that's what I, I'd go Legacy of Dragonhold for Lin-Manuel Miranda. For Patrick Stewart, I think I would get something that he and his wife could play together. I know that he's very thoughtful and he loves animals, especially dogs. Like he works with animal rescues. So I'm going to say Rescue Polar Bears. For him, the game where you're rescuing adorable polar bears from uh, melting ice caps because he likes animals a lot. So cool. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> All right, Ambi, soda or pop? So I've lived in California most of my life, so it's soda for me. <laughs> and what's interesting is I grew up in Missouri where it is pop, but I now live in Nevada, which is soda. I don't know how quick the transition for most people is when they move to a place but when I first moved here I did still say pop all the time mm -hmm. but then I worked as a waitress for a little while uh, during the recession and my co-workers every time I would say pop they would like give me funny looks and so I just immediately got shamed into saying oh. soda <laughs> and it's stuck now so it's like it's soda for me even when I go back to Missouri huh. I still say soda so I guess 11 years of Nevada trumps 23 previous years in Missouri. <laughs> What's one con you haven't attended but would really like to and why? This one's kind of easy for me and I think it might be similar for you. Ooh, no, well, it's a toss-up between <laughs> Tokyo Game Market and Essenspiel. Yeah, I I'd like to go to both of those, but I think Tokyo Game Market is like my more high up on the list because now that I've been to Japan... <laughs> I really like the food there <laughs> and I, I would just like going there and also like being in Japan too again and I think Essen I just really want to just be there for the, the spectacle of it because it's yeah. such a big thing so. I'd want to go there one time to see see what it's like for sure so if any rich people are listening to the show and want to send us <laughs> to these places please feel free <laughs> for me it'll be in a couple of years yeah not quite yet for you <laughs> What, you don't want to take the infants to Japan right after they're born? That doesn't... Oh, gosh. All right. What is your go-to game night food, Ambie? So we don't have, like, a specific thing that we always eat. I guess cheese is good. <laughs> or, like, sliced fruit. Or, like, what? yeah, whatever we have. I think for me, it's usually pizza. Like, if, oh, okay. we, need, if we need to provide a meal of substance... Yeah, if it's pizza, meal, yeah. Pizza is often the go-to for us. Like, just because it's easy, we can say, you like pepperoni? You like sausage? Okay, we're ordering pizza. Boom, done. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We do that for meals, but, like, I was thinking snacks for some reason. Oh. So. 
Okay, over on Instagram, Little Meeples asks, how did you two meet and start this podcast thingy? We haven't told our origin story in a little bit, and I imagine we do have some new listeners. We won't obviously tell necessarily the long version, but how did we meet Ambie? So about four years ago, or a little over four years ago, I think we met on Reddit, (laughs) actually. There was a thread about, um, like, what's missing from podcasting. And then one of the responses was talking about, like, there aren't any board game podcasts with that are like hosted by women and then I don't remember who posted first but Crystal Cassidy and I all posted in that thread like oh I'm a woman I could do that and we were like oh uh, me too we could work together and so then we became friends on Facebook started messaging each other and talking about it and then we started like six months later (laughs) yeah it was it was one of those things where people in that thread kept saying well yeah there are some women board game podcasters but most of them are podcasting with their significant other or with groups of people. And uh, people were recognizing that there weren't just groups of women doing podcasting together. And I honestly, when that got pointed out, or I had kind of noticed it before, but when it got pointed out by even more people, I was a little bit mad about that fact. And for me personally, I was like, well, I could be mad about it or I could fix it. Yeah. (laughs) So... We, uh, we didn't actually start the podcast until, what, like nine months after that, eight or nine months after oh, that conversation. Okay, yeah. 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 That was a while. Um, we, we wanted to get to know each other first, and we also had some logistical things to work out. And, and Cassidy, Cassidy was having was a baby. Pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to give her some time to get her life kind of settled down yeah. before we got started. But yeah, that's we met on Reddit. We met on the yeah. internet. And we didn't meet in person. Well, Ambie and I got to meet briefly on it when you, yeah. came, you and Toby came, to, came Vegas. to Vegas. Yeah. But that was like, I had brunch with you guys mm-hmm. and then that was it. But we really hadn't hung out like for any significant amount of time in person yeah. until a year A year or so. after. Yeah. I started at um, MeepleCon. That's right. Yeah. Which people are were surprised by. And <laughs> I think that's a good thing that if yeah. you listen to our early episodes, like we had never been in the same room together in <laughs> some cases, like the three of us. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Over on Facebook, Joshua Pierce Lee asked, who's your favorite designer? That's a question that gets harder and harder to answer the more games I play. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't think I have a singular favorite designer at this point, but there are a number of designers who I like just about everything that they've made. Mm -hmm. Nikki Valens is one of those people... Um, and they've created some really cool stuff recently. I actually got to play a bunch of Quirky Circuits while I was at Gen Con, which I don't think I've talked about here on the podcast or on Dice Tower tonight. Eric and I played through a bunch of the scenarios together, and that was really fun. I also love Elizabeth Hargrave. Wingspan is one of my top games for 2019 easily, and I love Tussie Mussy as well, and I can't wait to get my new copy of that. And then uh, Wolfgang Warsh kind of burst onto the scene here, what, like a oh, year yeah. or two ago? and. <laughs> Almost everything. He actually has a new game coming out. He partnered with the people who made Exploding Kittens, which that, yeah. And it's releasing on Amazon in like a month. It's called On a Scale from One to (laughs) T-Rex. And it's a party game where you're acting out charades, but you don't, but everybody knows what you're acting out. They just don't know the intensity level of what you're acting out. So like, you, they know that you're, you have to bake a cake in, when you're charading, but you have to do it at a level of intensity from one to 10 based oh. on a secret card. And then you have to figure out what other person is acting out things at the same intensity you what? are. Because everyone's acting stuff out simultaneously, That's I think. weird. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's super weird, but That's honestly, funny. it does sound kind of fun. And I was like, dang it, I don't need any more party games. Yeah. But 
Uh, yeah, so those are a few of the designers that I like their stuff generally. Yeah, for me, I haven't thought about a favorite designer in a while, so I'll just say what they were in the past, <laughs> which I had uh, Vlada Havatel and Vital Lacerda. So Vlada is, he's designed a lot of like various types of games, which I like. I admire that like all of his games are really different from like code names to Space Alert and Mage Knight even though I don't play Mage Knight, but <laughs> he lots of different types of games. So that, that's what I like about him. And then Vital makes a lot of thematic Euro games, which is a genre that I really like. So I like those. Very cool. Joshua also asked, do you have a theme or IP you wish they made more games or a certain game out of? When uh, when season one of Westworld released on HBO, I said that I wanted to re-theme Steam Park to be Westworld themed because it's a theme park for robots. So <laughs> I said I wanted to do that. I've always said that I want a, TV, or a board game based on the TV show Hannibal. I also want a board game based on The Good Place. I wish I had the chops to design such a thing, but I would love to see a board game based on The Good Place. Yeah, for me, I'm not like excited about specific IPs turning into board games just because a lot of them aren't always the best although recently they've been getting better but I like just having unique themes that I haven't seen before like games where themes and mechanics work together well which is why Vital was one of my favorite designers. It's interesting because if I hear about a game's theme and it's something that I've never seen in a board game before, I'm instantly interested in yeah. it. And that, it might not be a game that I'll end up loving, but if you tell me a game is another, like, farming, feed your people, manage resources, wood, stone, brick, blah, 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 <laughs> like, my eyes have glazed over and I just, like, that doesn't mean I won't like the game, but you have not convinced me that I should come play it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why... When Z taught me the new Stefan Feld game. Carpe Diem. Carpe Diem, yeah. I was just like, ugh. Like, I literally, <laughs> I think, groaned when he pulled it off the shelf. But I trust Z's opinion. And so obviously I was like, it must be a good game if Z wants to teach it to me. But even though I really liked it and I do want to play it again, because it's so boring of a theme, I'm not itching to get back to it. You know, like, it's just... A solid mechanics are great, but I need more than that to get a table, get a game to my table more often. Our friend Jay over on Facebook asked, what style of game outside of your wheelhouse would you like to explore if time and money were not issues? That is interesting. I think for me, time is more of an issue than money. Yeah. Often, because... I end up playing a lot of shorter games and I really do like playing longer, deeper games, but I don't often get to since my weekly meetup is on a Thursday evening. So I would say longer thematic Euros, kind of like the stuff that you like, Ambi. You and I have talked about a bunch of times, like we should play Dungeon Pets, we should play <laughs> uh, Viticulture, and I do want to play those types of games and I just often don't have a chance to get them to the table. So I think that's the one for me. Um, for me, I want to try a war game and a miniatures game sometime, which I, I don't think I've ever played either of those. Those are also long, <laughs> I think. I think I can hear Roy Candidate, like, rushing to California <laughs> from Florida right now. Like, <laughs> he's, he's gonna come, he'll come teach you something. Well, once you do get back to a con, I bet Roy would be willing to play at least a miniatures game with you. I don't think, I don't know if he does any yeah, war no. gaming, but. But yeah, I'd try those at some point. <laughs> okay. 
And then over on Board Game Geek, Michael McCallan asked, how many times should I play a game before I rate it? I'm going to say something that I think might be a tiny bit controversial, and I will say that there is no correct answer to this question. I think that you can rate a game after a single play, or you can rate it after 10 plays, or you can rate it after 100 plays. And because it is a subjective rating, and you're not, it's not any kind of formal thing, it doesn't matter how much you've played it before you rate it. Now, if you're giving your opinion to the general public in a wider way, I think you should absolutely put some thought into it. And depending on the type of game, the length of the game, how much you were able to explore in a single play, you know, maybe you don't necessarily rate it right away. But ratings don't mean that much coming from an individual person or outlet. So I think you should rate games whenever you feel comfortable rating them. Yeah. I think you should play it at least once. I mean, <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> there are those Dang people that Sam play B. like the 10 in 1 battles with the okay. games that haven't come out yet. I think that's that is silly. a thing. And I, it baffles <laughs> me. Yeah, this was going on on Board Game Geek. It'll be probably at least a month ago now by the time this episode releases. But people were going and rating uh, Tapestry, the new Stonemeyer mm-hmm. games. A whole bunch of people were rating it 1 and a whole bunch of people were rating it 10, and nobody had played those games. Yeah, I think this happened with, like, Pandemic Legacy, too, as yeah. well. Because like, oh. people people were excited. <laughs> well, and this, I think it actually, with Pandemic Legacy, I think people were legitimately rating it a 10. Like, I think that actually was happening. And then other people were mad that it was so highly <laughs> rated, and so they yeah. started rating it once, trying to, like, unnaturally balance out the ratings. And... I don't understand that at all because over time that will just happen. Every the people yeah. who picked it up first are the people who are most excited about it and obviously most likely to enjoy it because they bought it for a reason. I rated it a 10 and I have not changed that rating. It's interesting because as time has passed, I've kind of wondered if that rating is solid or not, but it is because when I played it, the whole campaign, I thought it was could not have been better. And that means 10 for me. Yeah. So people's opinions are are subjective and you should be able to share them and rate the games, whatever you want, but do not rate games if you haven't played them because that's (laughs) just mean. Yep. Michael also asks, how has Blake Bortles never been in the alliteration puzzle? And for those of you who aren't aware, this is a reference to The Good Place, which I mentioned just a minute ago. And the reason Blake Bortles has never shown up is because all of our clues have to involve single word items. Yeah. So it's going to be a descriptive word, a person or group of people, and a game that are all each one word. So unfortunately, Blake Bortles, while he is hilarious in the good place references will not fit for our alliteration puzzles also on bgg julian asks about the top 50 games of the guild that's posted on the forum if you don't know on our board game eat guild every month joshua posts a list of the top 50 games based on the people in the guild and how they rated them and then some other stats about like most rated things that we like more than bgg and stuff like that which is pretty interesting to look at. And he doesn't have to do that. He does that just for fun. Yeah. And we really yeah. appreciate that Joshua puts that together <laughs> for us every month. It's really neat to see mm-hmm. how our guild's taste in games differs from BGG at large. Yeah. Yeah. So Julian asks, is there anything that surprises you about it? Anything you appreciate? Anything you think that's our influence here? 
Well, the the game that we like more than BGG yes. on in the guild is Strike, and yes, that, that's our influence. Yeah, that, or, that is honestly, what I thought of too immediately. Yeah, it's got to be Strike for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything necessarily surprises me about it. Everything seems to be a, like it's a list of generally popular games that yeah. are usually popular on Board Game Geek as well. But I, yeah, I do appreciate that, like, Strike is... <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing that sticks out for me, yeah, too. Yeah, is on there, for sure. And I still need to rate my games. I haven't rated in so long. Ah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I haven't added to my collection. I've been getting games, and I haven't <laughs> been adding them on my Board Game Geek, and I am oh, no. so far behind, and I don't even know what to do at this point. So that's going to be a fun project at some point for me to catch up on. Drinky Drinky, <laughs> username, something I can't pronounce on Board Game Geek asked, has doing videos for the Dice Tower impacted content on the podcast? For example, the 18xx instruction videos, Dice Tower Tonight, or uh, anything else. He says, did we expand on topics that we covered elsewhere or shy away from any topics on the podcast because we brought them up in our Dice Tower videos? Uh, I'll let you speak for yourself, Ambi. I think for me personally, I have tried not to double cover game reviews. So generally, if I review a game on Dice Tower tonight, I won't review it formally on the podcast and vice versa. I think I've uh, gone against that a couple different times, but I am trying to make sure that people who consume all of the content that I am in are getting something unique or different. Or if I am going to bring something up twice, that I add something new to the conversation or my opinion about it. Um, But really, it hasn't changed anything else that I do for the podcast at all. Just the fact that I'm doing Dice Tower tonight, I try and do different stuff there generally. Yeah, for me, it hasn't changed anything on the podcast because the videos I do for Dice Tower are like completely different. I haven't started doing reviews yet. So like the 18xx series is not the same type of content as the podcast. So there's no overlap there. All right, and then he also asks, was the baby room decorated with anything Kirby-themed or at least inspired by a Kirby-like color? Uh, no, we have not decorated the baby room at all. So. <laughs> because they're babies and they don't yeah. really care. Yeah, I was thinking I wanted to do a mural at some point, but yeah, like w- when they're older, they might actually care. So maybe I'll wait. That seems like a good idea. All right, and we will wrap things up with a question from Harley. Um, who Harley has actually joined my local game group here in Las Vegas, uh, he and Sarah, and they are awesome. Harley asks, uh, or he says, I know that the podcast was born from discussions on Reddit years ago. What were your early expectations about doing a podcast and how have things turned out differently? What would you want to tell your younger selves as you were making that very first episode? (laughs) (sighs) 30-year-old Crystal, what would I tell her? (laughs) What were, what were our expectations? Did we have expectations? Yeah, I don't know if I had many expectations. Um. Honestly, I think we had a lot of... Not like, not like that we thought we were going to be bad, but we had a lot of self-doubt just mm-hmm. because we were doing something that nobody else was doing. And we were doing it in a different way than other people were doing as well. Our 30-minute format is unique. And... Yeah. You know, when you hear a whole bunch of hour and a half to three hour long podcasts, you kind of wonder, can we cover board games effectively and thoughtfully in 30 minutes? And I would say that now I know for sure that we definitely can. Mm -hmm. 
So I would tell 30-year-old Crystal, first off, Abby and Cassidy are amazing people and you're super lucky that you got to know them and they're wonderful friends and you're going to love them forever because that's true. <laughs> and I do. Yeah. And I would I would tell younger Crystal that to, to do exactly what she's doing, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't have regrets about anything that we've done with the podcast, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think I had many expectations either. Just I wanted to do it. And I was also starting doing the videos at the same time because I started making the instructional videos, although I haven't made one of those in a long time. <laughs> but <laughs> I think what I would tell younger Ambie is that don't worry about getting like exactly under 30 minutes every time because the first time we were a little bit over 30 minutes I was so sad but I'm probably the only person who cared about that <laughs> so, I think yes. that is probably true <laughs> I mean it's I mean that was our uh, little fun motto on that shirt our pizza shirt that we came up with it's 30 <laughs> minutes or less or it's still free basically yeah. we're going to deliver you something that's 30 minutes or less most of the time but not necessarily every time, but you're, it's, it's still free. You can still yeah. listen to it regardless. So I think I would just tell my younger self to have fun and keep doing what you're doing and yeah. what you're doing matters. And it's important. And that honestly, I think I would tell her that four years later, there would be a lot more women making board game content in a whole bunch of different venues and channels. And that, perhaps she's going to help play a part in why that happened. And we obviously don't know that for sure, but I would like to think that our podcast has helped inspire at least one or two other people. Mm -hmm. And that is really, we just wanted to make sure that the representation was there. And I, I think we've done that. And it makes me infinitely happy. I'm going to cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I think that what we're doing really matters and it still matters and it's going to continue mattering. And so we're, we're going to be here. Abby might be taking a baby break, but we're still, we're still going to be here for yeah. the foreseeable future. Y'all are stuck with us. Mm -hmm. So, and this episode is also going to be longer than 30 <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this will be a special episode. <laughs> Long one. That's okay. So thank you all so much for submitting your questions. Yeah. I think we did have a couple other questions that we didn't read off because they were duplicates of others. But please know that we appreciated all of you who contributed questions to this episode. And um, you will hear from uh, me and a guest host in our next episode. So get excited about that. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Make sure to head to your friendly local game store to grab a copy of Bushido and its new expansion, Rising Rage, which includes new weapons and technique cards, along with more excitement. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on your podcast provider, or consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, plus you chat with us and other Blitzketeers directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgamebliss to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time. No, we couldn't answer another. Games are in the heart. 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 Bye, everyone. Bye. For me, 
uh, when I, so uh, I'm going to start that over. <laughs> it's time for your weekly, nope, not weekly, we're a bi-weekly podcast. <laughs> it's time for your, Ill- <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. It's alliteration time, everyone. Last episode, we asked you to retheme a game about making beer for a very outgoing and energetic person who studies plants. What game was that, Ambie? That was Bubbly Botanist Brewcrafters. Ooh, bubbly. That's fun. (laughs) All right, this episode, we're asking you to retheme a game where you have to get people to guess things using different methods for primates who are experiencing a lot of extreme emotions. That's a hard one, everyone, so good luck.